welcome to episode 401 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans podcast, weekly podcast of many topics, usually of the retro variety. And uh, today we're here to talk about the second half of Moon, the anti or remix RPG, depending on how you want to talk about it. Um, but before we get into chatting about Moon, its ending, and all its quirks, uh, let's go ahead and introduce our panel, starting with you, Ben Love. Hi. And Alex Franicek. Love Maestro Alex over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't remember my final love level, but I don't think I ever hit Maestro. Uh, and I guess I should say that, that I, I am Zach Wilkerson, and I'll be hosting today. Uh, and yeah, uh, so all of us have beaten Moon. Uh, Moon is... Uh, a unique game, uh, a special game in a lot of ways. Uh, in the end, I ended up kind of like beelining my way through it uh, because I, I think that uh, the the gimmick of it wore on me a little bit. But um, I'm really glad that I played it. I, I thought it was really interesting um, and a really interesting experience in general. Uh, but I want to kind of back up uh, because uh, one thing that, uh, and we'll kind of talk through some quests that we did or quests that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, but before we get started, um, does anybody have have any like sort of general impressions of the second half of their playthrough of Moon changes from the first half and that might kind of give us a place to uh, to roll off of? Yeah, so like I played probably like the first third of the game uh, for that first episode. And um, uh, like in general, like for any listeners who listen to the first one, which I imagine you did. Uh, I thought the first like quarter of the game um, after like the opening hour of kind of just like what what the hell am I doing uh, was pretty interesting. Like it was an interesting learning process, knowing how this game works, knowing how to interact with it in a way that allows you to like solve the puzzles and make solid progression, uh, kind of getting past like the more obtuse, uh, tedious aspects of it and trying to make it work for you. So uh, first quarter was a pretty interesting experience. Then I thought like the middle half, uh, I had a really good time with it. Um, I'd say most of that just involved like once you get your own house uh, and you start exploring the open world, uh, you're kind of just like exploring around, seeing like the different uh, bodies of the animals, the hints that you have to solve them. You're meeting the different human characters and trying to start thinking about um, how you're going to solve their own puzzles to get their love as well. Um, I thought all that was really interesting. Like the world itself is really charming. The writing is charming. Uh, so, so I just had a really good time with that. Oh, also just buying and discovering new music just really kept me going, uh, throughout this middle half of the game. So that was all very fun. Um, and then, yeah, final, final quarter of the game though, uh, when I was trying to just tie up loose ends and figure out the last like main progression points, uh, became quite a bit of a slog um where a lot of the stuff i had at that point was just like waiting waiting and waiting for like a certain time of day or like for a certain day and just like standing around kind of doing nothing um so th this game was a real roller coaster ride for me where uh i was intrigued by the first bits uh got really into it for a while and then kind of just fell off a bit with the kind of more tedious puzzles of the game Oh, I was just going to say, I, I totally agree. I think the game in the latter half leans like way too heavily on like all the mini games, um, which become like required for progression. So things like fishing, which is extremely frustrating in the game um, and some of the other later mini games, it's just they're not as, it's not like as fun as learning people's schedules and 
trying to figure out the connections between um, different people or trying to find figure out like what the cryptic little hints for the animals mean. And it becomes a lot more, um, I you know, just frustrating in the way that some adventure games tend to be. Um, and that part isn't so fun, but the ending's very good. So <laughs> it kind of like wraps up at the end. And, um, you know, I came away with it again with like a positive impression, even though it can be really frustrating towards yeah, the end. True. Yeah, can we talk about how much I hate the fishing game for a second here? Um, so <laughs> just really to kind of back up for a second here. Uh, so you, in order to complete the game, there are a few different things you have to do, right? So like for the most part, the game is like kind of exploring, just trying to get your love up. And I agree with both of you. Like, I think that is that part of the game works really well. But eventually you kind of figure out that like there's like a sequence of things that you need to do. Um, and that is you, you meet a guy named Dr. Hager is that his name? Yeah, Doctor Hager. Yep. Um, at the bottom of a a haunted mansion, a haunted house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which has like some ghost at the top that's telling you to go like found tadpoles mm-hmm. for him. I didn't bother. I was like, screw you, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like hungry because he didn't get like fed enough in life. And then if you you can like give him the food, and then you he'll swallow you, and then like poop you back out through the toilet in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lovely stuff it's funny yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i was like he's like i want bread okay okay here's your bread i want a cookie okay here's your cookie i want a tadpole i'm like that means i'm gonna have to fish and anybody who's <laughs> listened to this podcast about like knows enough about me to know that i do not enjoy fishing in an rpg so like i was like mm-hmm. i'm not doing that screw this uh and then it turned yeah. out i had to anyway yeah you, you have <laughs> to fish for like two of the rocket parts <laughs> yeah. which almost feels like a like they just were crunched for time and were like, okay, well, we'll just make yeah. two of them like a fishing thing because it doesn't really make a lot of sense either for them to be fishing. Right. Yeah. Or maybe they realized how much people hate fishing in an RPG and they were like, hey, this is like supposed to be a spoof on an RPG. <laughs> so screw you guys. Uh, that It's also a possibility. Uh, I could see them like chuckling in the background while they're doing that. But anyway, once you once you get Dr. Hager, like the, the, the core premise is like, hey, we want to travel to the moon to save the world, which is strange because we're sending the hero to the moon to destroy the dragon, to save the world. I, I was never 100% clear on that. I- I've read some stuff later, and I'll get into this, about like who the hero is and who you were. Because uh, I was like, I feel like there's more to this that I just didn't get. And I was like, yeah. okay, it turns out there was. Well, part of that, too, is like the difference between like fake moon, which is like the game, and then real moon, which is mm-hmm. the part that you're in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately didn't gather any of that from my actual playthrough, but I did from reading about it later, <laughs> um, even though I gathered like most of the pieces that I needed for these things. But anyway, so like the the latter portions of the game, outside of like the side questing that you're doing, involve like sort of trying to gather these parts. But the game doesn't tell you in any way, shape or form, like which side quests you need to do. So I will admit that I was like, all right, I'm a little done with this. Which ones do I need to do? Um, and I, I looked it up and I had already only gathered two of them before um, before I hit that rocket quest. But as you said, Ben, one of them involved fishing after the most absurd sequence that how <laughs> you would figure it out on your own. Did the mushroom fig- quest. Like the, the mushroom stuff, which I yeah. couldn't even figure out like how to get in there you, first. Because you need, well, you need like certain items. So there's like the item that you can buy from the curio shop seller but only at night and yeah and you have to like 
like go up to his inventory and just not buy anything yes. first, I think. And yes. then a couple of seconds later, if he'll you don't it. leave the store immediately, then he offers it. Yeah, and he'll if you re- reject him multiple times, then he'll lower the price every each night, the next night when you come back. Right. And then if you don't buy it, yeah. So um because he wants like a thousand um you know money or whatever and <laughs> that's a lot at that part of the point in the game so yeah but once you get that then you can understand um what the little silver guys say and then mm-hmm. that will give you a little you know more clues yeah i thought that was actually one of the the more interesting mm-hmm. of like the extensive quest lines in the game it's like that mm-hmm. you discover these two tablets so so basically like throughout the game you'll start getting these tablets from different kinds of situations. I forgot what exactly they're called in the terminology of the game, but they're these little tablets with basically like pictographic drawings on them. Uh, if uh, you they're take called them... rum roms. Rum roms, that's right. Because they're supposed and to it... look like rom chips from like a cartridge. Ah, true, true. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Um, and then if you go to uh, Dr. Hager's laboratory, he has a translation machine, which I think you can find out from like another NPC. Otherwise, like you won't know to interact with it necessarily. But you run these rum roms through the translation machine and then you can see like the full like pictographic drawing on them. And uh, sometimes hopefully uh, an explanation that that clues you in as to what to do with it. Uh, but these ones were were better than some of the others in that like you just clearly got like a translation of like certain like gibberish words and on what they mean in english like like colors for example mm-hmm. um and then when you're interacting with the different uh little kakunte tribe dudes it's a little like skeleton tribe around the mushroom forest um some of them will be speaking english to you and being like oh hey like uh I know a couple English words, like, why don't you learn Kakunte words? So it's kind of framed as like this little like cultural exchange thing, which I thought was pretty cute. Uh, but then you'll s- talk to some of them that are just talking purely in the Kakunte language. And you'll be like, okay, time to pull up the my screenshots of the uh, Rum Rum tablets. And you'll have to like translate uh, the different words they're using. So you won't know every single word they're using, but you'll be able to like make some out. Uh, and you'll know you'll probably get the impression that uh, the colors that they're referring to are related to the different colored mushrooms you can find around the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that you have to probably eat the mushrooms as you would uh, if you're in a psychedelic forest. Um, but by like learning the different context of what uh, the Kukute are saying to you, you'll also have to like intuit that there's other words they're using that actually seem to mean like numbers. And so with all of that information you kind of gather, you'll then be able to like be like, okay, I have to eat the mushrooms in a certain order and I have to do it at night. Cause that's another word you learn through the tablets. Um, so I, 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 I thought that was a pretty, that, that was an excellent explanation that I thought was concise <laughs> and it was still like three minutes long. <laughs> yeah. It's a very involved quest. Yeah. It's very involved. Um, but and yeah, that's I, only like half of it. <laughs> there's, there's more to it after that. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was cool. And and then you eat the mushrooms. One one time, I ate the mushrooms in like a different order, and I just had like this random like psychedelic trip. With, Did the like, hands come down and like yeah, grab th- you? that mm-hmm. that yeah. actually startled me a little bit. Yeah, same here. It actually happens even if you do it in the correct order. <laughs> like it's after the second one, I think it happened. At least for me, both times. Oh, okay, maybe that was it then. Um, but yeah, that, that was that that was genuinely spooky in a, in a pretty interesting way. These little like giant claymation hands coming down for you. 
Um, but uh, then once you actually like eat them in the right order, then uh, you can finally do this ritual with the Kakute to resurrect uh, the giant fish in the middle of the mushroom forest, which you probably passed by a couple times to this point, being like, I have no idea how to resurrect this thing, but it's finally happening. Um, and then you do, uh, you have to do the ritual a couple times and then yeah, you have to co- go and you do the ritual and then you have to go and collect all of the like fish souls that are wandering around the tropical area. Yeah. And yeah. Then and go back. And, then and I thought, it. I thought that was great. You see that little fish come down after one of the times you do the ritual and you're just like, Oh, I know that fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go back to, uh, the the tropical forest where you pass by those fish many times and this time they all kind of like start glowing and and float their way back to the the tota terui um and i I thought that was great because it was just it was a quest line that wasn't premised on just like waiting which Mm -hmm. is what so much of the late game ultimately ended up being uh at least for me and i imagine for you guys too but uh I, i thought that one was just uh yeah probably the the peak of the game in terms of like these extended quest lines yeah it's very clever and the the use of like language and learning a language um you know i think kind of ties into the themes of the game of like connecting to other people even across Mm -hmm. cultures and there's there's even another quest that involves like language where you you can buy from the curio shop um like a flower item and then you can use that to go and speak to the flowers inside the flower shop. Mm-hmm. And then they'll give you hints about all the flowers in the um, desert that are wilted. And um, they tell you that they like like hearing the song that plays in the shop. So then you can go to Flora's uh, room, get the CD from there, and then play it while you're walking around the flowers. And it brings them all back to life. Um so that there's was like a really a, good one. Yeah, yeah. So there's that's like a you know it's like a common thread across the game is that like you know connection through language, um, which I think is really cool. Um, unfortunately, the reward for completing the Kakunte quest is that you have to fish. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you also get some love, Ben. You do. You get a lot of. You actually get a lot of love. From like that. six, uh, like mm-hmm. six or eight love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a lot. I definitely gained a level from it. Um, yeah, and then at the end of that Kakunte quest, you have to go catch a refrigerator, mm-hmm. which which people, at least I, I caught was th- easy. I caught three of, um, <laughs> and also a game station, game which station. was incredibly difficult to, for me to fish. Like I was like hitting that A button, like I don't know, for like three minutes straight before I eventually caught that thing. Um, and I also lost my bait a bunch of times while I was doing it. I don't know, fishing this game sucked, but you mm-hmm. have to do it um, if you want to clear it. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like I, I think that it is. It is a compelling quest, and I think thematically it's really interesting, but I also think that it's too difficult to access. And maybe this is a person who doesn't love adventure or puzzle games. Actually, it is a person who doesn't love adventure or puzzle games. Um, But like, even like beginning the quest, like me figuring out that I had to give the mushroom to the Kakunte who was sitting outside, and that's what allowed me to access it to begin with. Like, I know, once I gave it to him, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that someone told me that. But like there's just like so much information to keep in process that eventually I was like, I have to look this up because I can't figure it out. (laughs) Um, And that happened to me more than a couple of times, uh, which I don't like to do when I'm playing a game. But like it's just kind of where I found myself. And I think that even though this game like has like like that, that quest has like a consistent progression, whereas like the fire, like I don't know, like firework one, you literally just have to wait for something to drop for like a day. 
mm-hmm. and then it drops or the Roby one where you literally have to wait until a day of the week to go do an insanely difficult uh, minigame mm-hmm. um, that I had to like literally take videos of and then slow down on my iPhone. I, I, I don't know how people did it otherwise. Um, I, I agree that it's active, but like, I still think that like at a certain point in this game, um, like it becomes less about like the exploration and more about like the, like you have to do like this thing right now. And maybe if I had 70 hours to engage with it, that would work for me, but I didn't. So that, 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 that I found that a little frustrating. Yeah, I think the saving grace is that there's no, like, I mean, outside of a few instances, there's not really many fail states. And by the time you're in towards the middle or the end of the game, you have so much time that it's like from the love you've accumulated, it's really hard for you to like actually like game over. So you have a lot of time to experiment and explore, but it really could have used something like the, the bomber's notebook or you know something that's keeping track of your progress even like a little bit to help you remember because you know yeah like you're saying zach like there's so many different little hints or or asides or like vague allusions to things and it expects you to remember and retain that information sometimes across like you know almost the entire playtime of the game and i don't it's not really that feasible i think most people look through look through a guide when they play this game like i would find it very hard to believe that somebody could finish this game without a guide or just like infinite patience yeah yeah that that would be the key which uh i i did not have either um but i do want to shout out uh the wiki for this game um which is actually it's organized in a very cool way because Mm -hmm. it actually gives you unless like it's just like a stupid puzzle with like a single obtuse hint It'll actually break down like step by step uh, hints for you. So if you're stumped on like a certain step of a quest, um, you can go to the wiki, you can look at the first hint and it'll just give you a kind of like little vague description of what to do. And maybe that'll clue you in on something to do and and you can keep pursuing it from there and maybe you'll find out the rest on your own. Or if you're just getting really frustrated and you just want to be done with the, the puzzle, you can go right to the solution. So... Uh, whoever wrote that wiki, uh, good job. You you really <laughs> helped make Moon a more uh, palatable experience. Yeah, no, I, I definitely engaged in that particular wiki too. Except for like, by the time I got there, like I was like, can I just scroll? Okay, I'm going to the bottom hint now. Okay, just explain it to me very detailed. Because uh, <laughs> that's what I want right now. Because <laughs> I, I had always got, like by the time I looked, I was at the end of my patience entirely. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think that like that is one I respect. There are others that I think are a little more absurd. So like one of the other ones that you have to do to get uh, one of the rocket pieces is you have to wait for like uh, and this is one that I actually think there are enough hints about that I figured this part out, like getting to it on my own, which was like the, like there's like this like like the I launcher know, you're talking the launcher. About, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I got I had to wait until the bomb to push me into the launcher came out it comes out i think it's at dawn i think i think it's like Um, uh late afternoon yeah um sometime a day i don't remember um and then you get launched into it and then like there's some very grumpy guys a lot of grumpy people in this game um (laughs) some very grumpy guy who's like hey you can't you're trash get out of here go unless you think you can design the perfect firework um and then like you have to do some like crazy algebra based on one of Tao's uh, slates or whatever they call it. 
uh, that kind of gives you, I think it was Tao's. Cause this is one that I at least like knew where the information came from, even though I eventually had to look up the solution. Um, and the, the problem with it, and this is not even the worst offender was that I had to wait like a day every time I failed the puzzle, yeah. which was multiple times Same. Uh, because I really wanted to do it on my own. And I couldn't. Um, and so then I gave up um, so that I found that extremely frustrating. I did. I did end up figuring that one out because like, it's just that, you have like a, a slate that's like slightly chipped in parts uh, and you have like the circle that has the different um, like slots for the fireworks. And there's like a, you have one to nine as numbers that could go in the slot. And on the slate, you have like a couple of the numbers filled out. And then you also have like mathematical symbols. So you just have to like see one of the numbers, um, like look at the, the spot like across from it and it'll probably be a blank spot and then you just have to like see oh what's the math like either addition division subtraction that gets me to this number um and and that's kind of how you do it i i did get even with that information i think i did fail it at least once uh but i did get it eventually and and that was also uh another one of the the better puzzles in the game i thought also it, but it was kind of weird because after you do that firework puzzle and you go back to the launcher, um, you hear like an interaction between the the firework guy, uh, Tamaya and his wife, and you essentially like hear him like hit her. Um, and I just like, oh, oh my god, this I is did like not catch that. This is a there, there's abuse in this game, and um, he ends up this ends up being like a kind of like an awkward silence. And then he apologizes. Um, and then she essentially is just like, it's okay. I know you're stressed out. Like, I'll still stand by you. And I'm like, Yikes. this isn't this isn't great messaging. No, Th this that's... isn't screaming love to me right now. No, that's a yeah. Know. It's unfortunate. That's a yikes. I did not know about that at all. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not the only unfortunate thing in this game. Unfortunately, uh, um, no. We talked about <laughs> we talked about it before. Uh, but like the Bali Bali Island sequence, like I, I actually was like flabbergasted um, by how offended I was by it. <laughs> um, yeah, that one wasn't wasn't very good. And, and it's interesting because I feel like they could have they could have fixed the one that you saw in the localization. It was 20, 2018, right? Like the Bali Bali Island one, like that would require a whole rebuild. But the one that you saw, like I don't. I, that's interesting that they decided to keep it. Like I wonder in localization, like how that choice is made. Yeah, I'm not sure. The the last one, I, I guess, while we're like harping on the the anti love themes of the game, um, is going to Flora's room while she's sleeping and uh, interacting with her, and then once you leave the bar, uh, there's like a character that I, I never encountered otherwise in the game, but he essentially like gets mad at you for being a creep. Um, which is fair. Which is the, the, that was a good message. Like, don't be a creep. Uh, but then you get a love point from it. So it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm a little confused at what you're telling me right now, game. Yeah, I, I encountered that. But that that the fact that I got a point for that didn't even like tweak for me. But you're totally right. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what else there is to say about the, the weird stuff there. What did you think of the uh, the math puzzle thingy, Ben? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I agree um, with Alex. It's one of the better like puzzles in the game. Um, I didn't have uh, too much trouble with it, but um, I think the first time around, this is my second time I play in the game, so I think the first time around I did, and I had to like do a puzzle and or look it up 
And then, you know, this time I kind of remembered, you know, um, what you have to do. So it was a lot easier for me this time around. Um, I do think the game definitely improves on a second playthrough because you're not spending as much time being frustrated um, with some of the more vague or harder elements of the game. Um, So I think I did come away from it with this playthrough, just like appreciating it a little more um, just because I didn't like waste as much time or feel like I wasted as much time just like waiting around for things or, um, you know, uh, being stuck on, on a particular mini game or puzzle. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Um, like I, I didn't do like a full completionist run, but I did get to level twenty nine, so I got close ish. I'm kind of curious to see what that's the, very close. Yeah, the it's, puzzles the I max missed is were thirty, I think. So yeah, yeah, um, but it's still like I, once I leveled to twenty nine, it told me I still need like twenty five love points to level up. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I, I guess I still have a way to go. Uh, but I did get all the animals, um, which were ultimately like the easier puzzles to complete because they're all like just very visible on the map and you have very clear mm-hmm. hints for all of them uh but then i'm just like wondering what how many more interactions between the humans and like discovering like their different stories like did i miss because yeah I'm, I'm kind of interested but i i don't know if i'll be going back for a completionist run and i don't even know if the game wants me to to be honest uh based on the ending but we'll, we'll right. get to that later <laughs> yeah, sure yeah there's no uh, there's no real like you don't there's not a different ending for doing that so it's not like it's there it's incentivized for you to go back and do every single thing and get all the love so um that i think is like an interesting aspect of the game because you would think that that would be like a feature but um it's not so yeah i i did not uh even get close to that but yeah i um uh, we'll, we'll get to the ending, uh, but I do want to talk about uh, before we get to the mini games, which I want to talk about because I did not love them either. And some of them are crazy. Uh, what I think is the most egregious uh, thing you have to do to get the rockets, which is involved in a mini game eventually, uh, the rocket pieces, at least, which is the the Roby mini game, um, which I got extremely lucky uh, with the Roby thing. So like there is like a, a place called Technopolis in this place, which is where like the rocket is being fired from um to go to the moon and one of the things you have to get to uh create the rocket is like a a brain of a robot basically who the the robot i saw like still kind of strolling around afterwards so i guess taking his brain didn't hurt him um but <laughs> yeah um, i was a little confused about that yeah, one yeah, uh, yeah. getting uh, love as well <laughs> but like i actually have no idea how to figure this puzzle out because at this point i was just like i was done it was the last one i needed to do and i just like literally looked it up um but you have to like figure out what his room code is to get there and then you have to arrive on a certain day of the week because mm-hmm. uh, otherwise he's out there helping like other members of Technopolis. Um, and while he's charging, you have to do this extremely challenging uh, mini game, which I cheated my way through hard by using an iPhone and recording it and then slowing it down. Uh, where like you have to see how like the like what order of lights light up in. But it's mm. so fast. Like I, I have no idea how someone could track like the fifth, the sixth one. Especially the fifth one. The fifth one I could never do correctly. That's when I started cheating. <laughs> um, but you have to wait until a single day of the week. Now, I got extremely lucky. I had no idea what day of the week it was. I was just like, oh, there's a sun up there. I hope that's the day. It was. Uh, and he was just there. And it, it was done. But like that, that to me is just bad puzzle design. But 
I have nothing else to say about it, actually. I was going to try to say something positive, and I don't have anything positive to say. <laughs> yeah, so, a lot of the other quests what? that require a specific day are, like, not required for progression. So those, I think, are better. But, yeah, that it is frustrating that it is, is, like, a specific day. And there's not really, unless you found something, Alex, that would indicate what day it's supposed to be. I don't know how you would know and other than just observing the character for, like, the whole week to figure out what um day he's he's uh not working yeah so the, the, there is no other way as far as i know the the only reason i i noticed is because i was just waiting around in technopolis for another quest line for so many damn days that uh, i eventually noticed that oh Ro- roby does leave at a certain point because otherwise i thought he was just out there charging the robots all the time um but he's actually missing for two days uh it's echo day and solar day and if you go to his room at the right when he starts charging, which is the beginning of Echo Day, which I, I didn't know this uh, going in. I just knew like, okay, I, I know he leaves on Echo Day. So next week, I'm going to make sure that I, I actually catch him this time. Um, but if you go then, like at the beginning, then you'll notice that like he has that giant battery next to him in the room. Yeah. And that will be empty. And while it's empty, if you start that mini game. The, the lights actually flash extremely slowly and oh. it was really easy for me to do. I did on my first try, no problem. I'm like, man, this, this mini end, game is so easy. I was, I was at the surprised. end of Solar Day. <laughs> that's very clever because like he's going low on so batteries fast. so he yeah, can't yeah. do it. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, okay, I, I like it more now. Uh, even even if I didn't, have, didn't know that and how could I have known that? <laughs> um, yeah, I like it more now, at least. That's something. Yeah, but the, the the only reason I I ended up stumbling upon that is because uh, when I was trying to do the uh, the Robo Mare and the the Lady what's her Lady, name? Techno? Lady Techno quest mm-hmm. line, that entails just like you have to go to the club every night that isn't Solar Day because Solar Day is closed. Um, you have to make sure you're there early on in the night because Robo Mare is only there for like the first couple hours of the night. You have to go to the VIP room. You have to listen in on a conversation he's having with uh, some of the other just like little robot drone guys, uh, the the robot salarymen. Um, and you have to do that three nights. And once you actually do that, then you can you get a clue that uh, some they suspect something about um, Lady Techno. And then you have to wait for, I think, Solar Day. Uh, for her to like go into the VIP room alone during the day, and then if you confront her there, that takes you through her whole quest line, which is actually one of my favorite ones in terms of like character development through the mm-hmm. game. Uh, she realizes that she's a robot; she didn't know that, um, and she's like, she does her like crazy distorted dance moves, and she ends up sor- short circuiting in front of you. Uh, you help her come to terms with being a robot. Um, and then she just like, oh, I think like I, I can do this because uh, I know that like dancing is the only thing that that matters to me. And as long as I have dancing, um, I'll be able to like live a fulfilling life, no matter if I'm a human or a robot. That that was really cool. But to get there again, I, I was waiting around Technopolis just for days. Uh, I was just watching like the, the football game last night, um, just like and it literally took me three hours probably to get through all these quest lines. um but i i was able to just like watch the football game as i was playing so that that was the ideal way (laughs) to consume this part of the game 
you know yeah that's I, like the most involved quest i think in the whole game as far as like having to pay attention to various characters schedules and stuff uh, and i i didn't do it my first time and then i only did it this time with the help of a guide so um you know i commend you alex for like <laughs> seeing it through to the end <laughs> and waiting it out like that i mean i couldn't have done it without uh without that rams game last night it was pretty good <laughs> I guess um, I hate to sound like I'm keeping negative. I actually really did mostly enjoy this game, but like, I think that one of the things you're getting to that I find frustrating is like, there is good content behind almost all of these quests. Like I really like the storytelling. I like the sort of individualized helping people seeing them realize, you know, what it is for like, what's important to them. But like, there is almost no quest I've ever done in my whole gaming career that like three hours of waiting around was worth <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in terms of my patience or in terms of my desire to do something. And I think to some degree, we'll get to the ending, but like it may be like the game is trying to get me to realize that waiting around playing a video game is maybe not the best way to spend my time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I, I, I'm not actually sure if that was the point they were making, if they're actually trolling me. Um, but if they are good on them, but I don't <laughs> think so. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think some of the arbitrariness of some of the the quests and the waiting around and stuff is intentional. But I also think that like a lot of it is just, you know, they had never really made a game like this before. There wasn't really a lot to reference when it came to games, games like this, especially on consoles at the time. And I think, too, like, you know, so um, Kimura has mentioned previously in interviews like, aspects of moon that he really wasn't happy with and then has now with his newer games um, as part of onion games tried to like revisit and improve upon so i think that they would tell you straight up that there's a lot of parts of the game that they that are more frustrating than maybe they intended and that they wouldn't um you know that they would go back and change if they could so um you know there there is i think an element of intentionality there but it's also just like you know figuring things out and not really picking the most player friendly thing that possible. <laughs> um, I, I would imagine that like stray children, which is, you know, the game that they're working on now that is heavily inspired by moon um, won't have as many of those frustrating elements um, because they have like acknowledged that there's some aspects of the game that just aren't really that fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That yeah, just from a design perspective and relying on like the day night cycles and different times of the day, uh, like resulting in like unique encounters. Like that was pretty groundbreaking from the time we hadn't had Shenmue yet. We haven't had Majora's Mask yet. Um, and I just like I don't even think it's the the waiting itself that's like the really bad part of certain aspects of this game, but it's just that you have nothing to do. Uh, in yeah. certain areas that that make up for the waiting and I, I think like the epitome of that is the uh the windy desert when you have to oh, yeah. um do like these different animal puzzles mm-hmm. that basically just have you wait for like there are these cacti that rise uh during the night and then they settle down back into the earth during the day and there are multiple puzzles in this desert that just involve you standing on top of like the cacti um during the day waiting for it to turn to night it turns to night it elevates you to like (laughs) the second level like on top like these rocks and then you can solve one of the animal puzzles and then you have to wait the whole night 
uh, for it to go back down so that you can do the next one of these rinse and repeat. Yeah. Um, that is just like absolutely terrible puzzle design because like <laughs> the the waiting itself, like I, I know Shenmue isn't a game that's aged super gracefully, but at least when I'm waiting in Shenmue, that world is designed in a way that it's just like packed as like a playground for ways to pass the time. Mm-hmm. I could go play some games in the arcade. I can go play pool with some dudes. Uh, I can listen right. to music just in the same way that I could do for here. But literally here, the only thing keeping me uh, occupied as I'm literally sitting doing nothing is just listening to the music. And a lot, I loved a lot of the songs in, in this OST, but uh, it wasn't enough by the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, I there was one in that cactus desert or whatever, uh, like that where like the the monster like flies by you and you have to catch it. Oh while yeah, while it's flying by you, and <laughs> yeah. I missed it every single time for a whole night, <laughs> and then I had to reset <laughs> and do it again. And I was like, this is just like, and sometimes like this is not usually important in this game outside of it being kind of annoying. Like I would think that I was like hitting the button at the right moment, like and it wasn't like the. Uh, there's no hitboxes in this game, but that was kind of a hitbox. Uh, and I was like, I'm hitting it. And I, I, I wasn't. And so I had to. And then at that point, I was like, no, I'm getting this monster. And so I waited until the next day. But I agree. Like in that case, like none of those monsters were difficult to solve. It was just time. Um, mm-hmm. And I eventually just didn't do two of them. I was like, all right, I get it. I have enough love, whatever. And I just moved on with my night. Uh, I, I think that. What's interesting is like they I think that the game design philosophy here was like, you're just going to kind of poke around and see what you see and you'll figure some stuff out. Other stuff you'll just kind of stumble on um, and you'll just keep exploring. And I think that the the idea in mind was like this game would take a long time to play Mm -hmm. Uh, because in 1997, like. I I think GameFAQs may have existed, but it was in its infancy. and it would have taken a very long time, even for someone who's very good at adventure games and very thoughtful and very methodical. I would take them a very long time, at least 50 hours uh, to beat this game. Um, that's to beat it like the 100 percent. And I can't even imagine how much time it would have taken someone to do everything in this game. Uh, even some of the stuff you guys are talking about. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I know what space you're talking about, but I, I saw so little of it that I, I can't follow it. And so I think that was the idea. But I think that they take it so far that eventually it stops being fun. <laughs> um, so I think it's important. But speaking of not fun, um, let's talk about the mini games, uh, which we've already talked about one of them, which apparently was very easy for you, Alex. Thanks for the tip. Um, <laughs> even though I think I beat it for you. Sorry. Uh, uh, but there are others as well. Like there's a, when you go to Bali Bali Island, uh, and I really struggled with this because I have no rhythm at all ask literally anyone who's ever seen me on a dance floor I actually don't i don't want anybody to hear about it um i have no rhythm so like the drum mini game on bali bali island i really struggled with the uh there's a mini game that is thankfully not required uh that is like a rocket shit mini game on technopolis that i think yes. is actually impossible um and i don't care if you say that you beat it <laughs> alex i think it's impossible uh it was I, I, so i i've just been playing yakuza zero and you, you actually have to play like some like older sega games i'm like this is impossible they have nothing on that rocket game (laughs) yeah the rocket game uh so i think i mentioned this uh in the last episode but this is the one where um one of the interviews i was reading with um kimura he mentions this as being like really frustrating and like that um he was very unhappy with how it turned out so they 
Onion Games has made a game um, that's on Steam and Switch called Mana More. And it's like a redo of this game. So it's they like actually him. made it into a real game. Yes, yes. I don't care how good it is. Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think I'm too traumatized for that. The new one is actually pretty good. Um, and it's funny they mentioned in the interview, like the interviewer asked him about like Flappy Bird because it is like kind of similar to Flappy Bird. And uh, like if he feels like they copied him at all and he's like, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, so but the version in Moon is is awful, is awful. Yeah, like I, I like Asteroids. It's it's one of the, the arcade games I, I like playing when I'm around uh, arcade games. Uh, I like that feeling of like holding down a button uh, to like get gas and then letting go to kind of just like float back around, lose momentum, uh, which is kind of the game feel I guess the Rocket game is going for. Uh, you're basically on this 2D plane. There's this like orb on the other side, on the right side you have to get to. Um, and you hold the action button to rise up uh, and you let it go to fall back down uh, because you don't want to hit the top, like the ceiling or the floor of the map. Um, so the first like three levels of the rocket game are uh, are pretty doable. But then there's two more that is no, just they're like not. <laughs> I couldn't get past the first level. <laughs> there's two more, though. That oh, my are God. Just hair, <laughs> like pulling at the hair just out of frustration. I think it's like the the soul's demon in me just like pushing through <laughs> getting yeah, it. No, no, I no, no. Because like for the fourth and fifth levels, you actually have to be like holding the action button at the point where it says like go. Uh, but not too much, because if you hold it for like a split second too long, you're you'll immediately fly right up to the ceiling and lose. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I did it eventually. Um, I, I can't say I'm even that proud of it, but uh, I got one measly love for all the time. I've been Are you kidding that. me? It was one love? No, one yeah, love. that's all that you get. Yep. It's did not worth say, it. Did you say that like the creator Ben didn't mm -hmm. know that he was trolling with this game? <laughs> well, no, that he he's he said that he know he like knows it's bad, but they I don't think it was intended to be bad. I just think it came out okay. really frustrating. It's just like so yeah. so he's, shockingly difficult. He's not proud of it. He's okay. not proud of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I didn't like the drum mini game. I don't like fishing. The lights thing was absurd, but like the rocket game is just insane. <laughs> That's so funny. Are there any mini games that anybody here liked outside of the Adder one? I think it might have just been the Adder one for me, yeah. which yeah, we talked about last episode. But uh, yeah, that, that that peaked. That peaked real quick. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, it you know it makes me think of uh, a game I played and reviewed last year called Twenty Four Killers, which is very heavily based on Moon. And if there's one thing that that game does unquestionably better than Moon, it's that the mini games are actually really fun <laughs> in that game. So uh, if you're interested in a game like Moon, but the mini games sound frustrating, check that one out because the all the mini games in that game are great. Um, and it's almost like they kind of know that um, the mini games here are very frustrating, and they wanted to make something that was a little more fun and uh, modern. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Well, speaking of rockets, eventually you do have to get into the rocket. Um, and uh, again, I think the explanation, if you haven't dived as deep as I'm guessing the two of you have, so I, I want you guys to explain this to me. 
Uh, the explanation for why you have to get into the rocket is like to save the world. Uh, and that's about all that I am aware of um, in terms of why I needed to get into the rocket. I know I needed four and a half days worth of love, which meant that I had to hit like, I think love level 22, but I was pretty far past that at that point. Um, once you've built that rocket. Um, so can someone kind of back me up here and kind of talk about like sort of like the overarching uh like what's what's going on here? Because like I know the hero is sort of out of control, and I think the the counselor to the king is maybe at fault, but it's never it was never clear to me during my playthrough. Um, and there's some indication the hero is actually you, but it's that it was all very unclear to me. Yeah, so it's like so you have um, basically there's there's real moon, which is the version of moon that you're in as the protagonist that you're running running around and talking to everybody. And then there's fake moon, which is like the game and the way that the player normally experiences the game, which you see at the beginning, which is the RPG, um, where everybody is like fawning over the hero and everything. And so it's they are, you know, the in real moon, it's the characters, the NPCs and everything. They have their own personalities and their own will. So they're trying to like break out of that cycle of the game in that is fake moon and so by sending the protagonist to the moon it's like an attempt to kind of change um what happens um and that's that's my understanding of like why they're sending you to the moon because they know that that's where the hero is going to continuously do the um events of the rpg game version of moon and alex i don't know if you have more to add or if you want to <laughs> uh I, I definitely don't um i i got to level 29 and i knew just about as much as zach so I, I, how, how did you get like did you uncover this information in game like i i know there was like uh like a that character quest line to do with that like you the... uncover i think of some in that information mm -hmm. indicates that you kind of are the hero right yeah yeah. And then, um, no, most of it is just from reading, um, you know, interviews and, and other interpretations of stuff of the game um, from outside of the game. I mean, there's a few hints and like talking, you know, the talking to the, the moon, the queen, right? The, the, the head that you talk to um, towards the end of the game, you can get a, a little bit of that. But um, yeah, it, it's mostly from reading about the game outside of the game um because i do know there was like a, a quest line with the minister that i definitely didn't finish because uh, i got a hint about it from adder when you can like pay for for hints for character quest lines uh, and i imagine there are like quite a bit more character quest lines i didn't do to get to level 30 and i wonder if like there's a lot like or at least like a bit more story information I could have gleaned just from that because yeah otherwise it's just like I know that the king has a plan to save the world by going to the moon um I'm chosen to help with that for some reason and so I'm gonna do that is, is pretty much what I got during the game itself from my reading around and I did it very cursorily honestly like I think that counselor one probably would have gotten it because I think that at least from my impression the counselor is kind of the one who's behind the cycle. It's why you have to go meet with yeah, the king that's, that's what I figured. individually. Um, but again, that's just like from my cursory readings of it. But, you know, it's actually like this is coming from a person who's played a lot of Soulsborne games recently, right? And I know both of you have as well. 
Like, I actually think that it blunts the power of the ending a little bit. Um, us not kind of seeing like the what what that would mean. You know what I mean? Like the, breaking that cycle and the fact that they've gone through this. Like, I think that making that a little less opaque might have made the ending hit a little harder, at least in my opinion. Like, I still thought the ending was really good um, and I really liked it. Um, but I do think that it, it might have been a little more powerful if I understood a little bit more about what was going on. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, the other thing I I was pretty surprised about, um, I mean, like, I guess it makes sense considering like the main quest uh, with air quotes there um, in this game is basically just do side quests until you figure out what the different parts of the rocket ship are. Um, So there's like very little like clear plot development that you can get from that, Uh, I guess, unless you're discovering like certain character side quests and completing those. Um, but I was honestly like really surprised how quickly the the presence of the hero faded from the game because he's like the 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 plot is like framed as like oh you want to you're kind of following this hero around seeing like the carnage he causes uh, and trying to to stop him. Um, but you have like the interactions with him in the town. Then you see him uh, doing some bad things in the haunted house. You see him trying to kill uh, Paragon, that little girl's pet, um, and and that's pretty much it. That that that's the extent that you actually like engage with the hero throughout the game, and it's it's really not that much. Like the entire second half of the game until the end, like you don't see the hero at all. So I th- I think that was another thing that kind of dampened the power of the plot a little bit. Yeah, I think that that partially, you know, it because you're spending, you know. You know, as the as the protagonist in Moon, you're spending so much time talking to all of the NPCs and observing them and learning what they do and connecting with them, right? And that's mm-hmm. like the complete opposite of what like when you play an RPG. Well, not I mean, not every RPG, right? But of the RPGs that it's that it's kind of um, parodying or um, aping, you know, you the NPCs generally tend to be just like a means to an end. And so you're off going your own thing, dungeon crawling, killing the monsters, whatever. And so I think that that's, you know, it's supposed to be like the the hero's, um, you know, perspective or focus is so much on his quest of going to the getting strong and then going to the moon and slaying the dragon. Whereas yours is so much more involved with actually connecting with and understanding the people who make up the world as people. And so I think that that's it, it creates that juxtaposition. And so um, it, you know, it does feel very abrupt when you're at the end of the game and the hero, um, you know, shows back up again and is just like killing, you know, people on the moon and then, you know, the final confrontation. Um, but I think that it's supposed to kind of, you know, it, that kind of shows how different the approach your you know your approach as as the protagonist in moon is from like the the way that the hero interacts with the world um but it does end up making a lot of like the the story or the overarching message or plot a, a, a little more vague um than maybe it would be best to like really understand what's going on yeah yeah and i think that was it cuz ultimately i i think with the ending like this game still works really really well as an anti-rpg as a subversion of those tropes i guess i was just 
by the end, I was still a little confused what the connection between the hero and uh, the main character is. Um, was the hero related to to Granby at some point? I thought that might have become a thing. I, I believe that the truth is, like they like it's at some point. I'm just like literally googling around right now. They choose the kid who everybody thinks you are to be the hero, and then it becomes sort of this hollowed out shell. Mm-hmm. Who then goes out and does the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that that's good. I I just like yeah. I, I wish you knew that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought like yeah, there'd just be more development of the protagonist and the hero as foils. Um, whereas that that thread just got dropped and then picked up right at the end. Yeah, uh, and I you know I hadn't really quite thought about it the way you'd phrased it, Ben. Um, like that idea that like you don't see the hero because like you're playing two very different games in a, in a way of speaking, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's really clever. Um, and I think that if that was their intention, uh, which I think it is, honestly, um, I think it's really brilliant at communicating it. But I do think that um, they they blunt it by not letting us know enough uh, to kind of get us there. But like it it definitely makes it a very like external focus right like it's not it's not about you it's not about your quest it's not about even learning about who you are or why you're doing what you're doing it's all about other people Mm -hmm. and it's all about helping other people and it's all about and the hero's quest has basically jack squat to do with what you're doing um and you know i don't know like you're you're actually convincing me that i like this game better (laughs) uh because i think that's really clever and it's really interesting and i and i'm a little embarrassed that i didn't see it that way before yeah, but I, I don't think I, I guess we should probably like back up maybe a second here and kind of talk about what happens. So like for the ending, like you you actually get in like you are chosen as and for the record uh, that the, the scientist who sends you is like the biggest jerk in the whole game. Uh, like maybe the only NPC you run into who has like no empathy at all. <laughs> um, he pops you in that rocket ship and you literally have to sit there and you can't skip this. Of course you can. It's 1997. Um, and for four and a half days, you watch as your protagonist is on a rocket going towards the moon. Um, and like you see some uh, like sort of like hazy beings, like the guy who's in the, the shroom kingdom with you mm-hmm. shows up a couple times and gives you some encouraging words. And uh, then you land uh, and everyone's like, hey, you need to go open the I don't know what the name of the door is. The door of light, the door of love, the door of light. Yeah. Yeah. Go open the door and uh, you fail. Uh, you don't have enough love. I assume you guys failed too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. I think you have to fail. Even. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. You do. Yeah. I, I assumed, uh, uh, unless it was like a very choice driven in a way I didn't know. Um, you, you have to go open the door of light. You fail. And so then you go back to basically like the dragon. And they're like, hey, you failed. Not really sure what we're going to do about that. The hero shows up. He slaughters everyone and everything in his path. And uh, they're like, you just need to gather more love to open the door. And uh, I'm dense, so I didn't really get what the metaphor was uh, or what the point was. But then, like, at that point, your mom comes into the room and she's like, hey, Bubby, uh, you need to <laughs> you, you need to get off the video game. You need to go to sleep uh, or, you know, just get off the video game, uh, which, again, reminds me of all the times my mom told me to get off the, the video game. Um, but she, I don't think she ever told me to go outside, which is what you do, um, depending on what you select. So at the very end of the game. And this, like, really, I don't think we talked about the animation of, like, the, the real world, but, like, I think the animations are, like, beautiful and really striking mm-hmm. um, and really interesting. Um, and you have two choices. You can either choose to continue to play the game, which I didn't do, uh, but I looked it up afterwards, and apparently it's just, like, the end, like, immediately. 
mm-hmm. um, or you can choose not to continue to play the video game and you go open the door to your bedroom and then open the door to go outside. And uh, it's like this really beautiful, like striking lights that are coming through. And it's the, the door of light is like, go outside, <laughs> um, which is like a, I think a great way of talk of, of getting to this concept of spreading love is about like not sitting in front of your TV and playing a damn video game. It's about walking outside and spreading love and doing things for other people. And it was so thematically resonant after the entire game was about that, but like you're only doing it in the context of the video game. So like it it creates like these multiple layers of thematic meaning, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you got this RPG and like you're criticizing that. And then like eventually they end up criticizing themselves to some degree. Like what, what difference does it make that you spread love here? Go be nice to other people. Um, which is a message that I am 100% behind, even though I spend way too much time playing video games. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But like, I, I just thought it was so clever. Um, and it was so well done. I do wish that maybe they had the real world, like sort of like spruced in a little bit more throughout. So like I got the metaphor maybe a little bit more early on. There is one point. So if you're in the mushroom, um, area, and you talk to Florence, the guy in there. So he'll start talking about this dialogue where the mushroom forest is like a connection between worlds. Mm-hmm. And as he's talking about that, then sounds of like cars honking and driving and like city kind oh, of sounds so will play cool. in the background. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I didn't get mm-hmm. that. That sounds awesome. And so it's like supposed to you know, show like the barrier between the real world and, and the world of moon is like very weak or thin there. Um, so, but that, other than that, I don't know if there's any other time where the real world is referenced except at the end. Um, so I agree they could have had a few more moments like that, but that, that's one that I, I remember happening. Yeah. I think it's just with Florence because he is like in the, in the game world, like he, he crosses between worlds. He kind of like lives between planes because he's a, he's a cool trippy old dude. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cool that the ending, like, like for me it was like a bait and switch it was like because i got to level 29 so i'm like okay i didn't complete the game but i put a lot of time into it um and so when they when i couldn't open the door and they're like you need more love to open the door i'm like oh crap (laughs) the only way to get the good ending is to complete (laughs) the game is to do 100 (laughs) percent. like oh my god i can't believe a I, I screwed this up. I, I screwed everything up for the people of this world. I, I didn't complete the game. I didn't get all the love. Um, so then uh, there was a moment uh, when I got to that screen of just like, do you want to continue when you're back out in the real world? I'm just like, the game actually wants me to say yes and complete it. Uh, but then I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Because if you go to no, like just as you're hovering over the um, options, you get like different audio. So if you hover over yes, you get this audio, like kind of like just distorted noise, like video game noise, um, which doesn't sound like too pleasant when you're hovering over it. And then you go to no, and suddenly you see your character at the door to his room and you hear the sound of nature. So no is like presented as a more positive choice, just like based on like the audio visual aesthetics. Uh, so I'm just like, okay, I don't want to play this game anymore. I don't want to get 100%. I'm just going to say no. Um, and then I kind of had this realization, oh my god, the game actually wanted me to say no. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't want me to get 100% love in the game. It wants me to 
yeah get get love in the real world it's uh it was really it was really great it was really well done yeah yeah that's why i love that there's no you know that that ending choice is really the only you know like separate ending there's no reward for doing everything so you know that kind of it re like you guys are saying it reinforces that theme of like there are more important things than just what's here in this game um and i think if there had been some kind of reward for like a hundred percent then that would like undercut the, the themes or message yeah yeah like um, ultimately like it gave the impression of like oh maybe this is like a completionist game to get like the good ending but no it's like an anti-completionist game it's like <laughs> yeah stop playing the game please right <laughs> and if it had been in completion and completionist ending it would make sense right like you didn't help everyone you could have um but yeah like the fact that it like elevates it that one level over that i'm like ooh, like okay like this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I do wish they had set it up maybe a little bit more. Uh I wish that I und- like, there was more beyond the sound cues to really get to that idea of the real world like cuz like the ending is so powerful. I just think about how much more powerful it would have been if we had gotten a little more layering of it. Like I think about even something like uh I haven't beaten Amori yet, but like Amori plays with those ideas mm-hmm. um a little bit in terms of layering. Um, I even think of something like, honestly, like Near Automata, and I don't want to give anything away to people who are listening. And I, saw, played I thought that of game. Nier as well, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, there is no reward for choosing the right choice in that ending, um, and I think that that's important. Like, you could you could platinum that game by literally paying for it uh, with in-game currency, um, but it's not about that. Um, and it, it 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 subverts what the original Near did as well. Like, you actually can't get one of the endings in the original Near unless you wipe your data here like you get the same ending you get the same trophy doesn't matter um and it's i think it's so important to what automata is doing but mm-hmm. like here uh and, and automata has a very different message automata is actually arguing the video games are important right um but i i just think that it's it's such a it's such a powerful moment like for all my frustrations that i had and all my having to look up a guide i was like this is a special moment in video games that i have never seen before and it was in 1997 that's wild it's awesome yeah and and i think too it's like it's not so much that like video games aren't important but it's like this game is teaching you something that you can take into your actual life and you know you you're you're kind of practicing interacting and helping people in this game and then you know you can go outside and do the same thing whereas like you know, when they're criticizing with like a like a typical RPG is you're not really learning or being exposed to something that you could take into your real life and would be useful um, in a lot of ways, which I mean, you know, we can, you know, I don't know if that's completely true, but I understand the the that position that they're, they're taking. Um, and, it, you know, so and because I, I think that it's, you know, they are the creators of of Moon and would go on to make so many other games and they're not, they're very, I think very positive about the medium of video games for conveying, you know, message yeah. and themes, but um, there's something uh, beyond that. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. I think I oversimplified. So thank you. Yeah. The the thing I thought about after like I got the ending and I was just like sitting there with my Oh snap face on, I was just like thinking of like in 1997, like a kid who got this game and um like saw obviously that it was like doing like subversive things like maybe they were an rpg fan 
um but they still ended up like completing the game they did everything in the game they got to level 30 uh, there was nothing else to do then they they had to use that love to try to open the door and it still just didn't work and then they got to like that end screen and then they maybe they like were frustrated at the situation and then they hit yes and you get the bad ending just immediately at the end um and then they kind of have to like think through what the meaning of that could have been i think that was just a really cool little thing to think about because uh, it probably happened to somebody. I mean, if I had played this, I was 12 when this game came out, I 100% would have said yes the first time. Yeah. And I would have been furious. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got all the yeah. love. What's going <laughs> right. on? Yeah. And I think that's part of like what makes this game so unique and so influential, especially at the time, is like there were not a lot of games that were engaging with like a, a meta narrative in that way um, and reflecting on the medium in that way, which, you know, makes sense because it was such a young medium at the time. But then, you know, like Zach, you mentioned Yoko Taro, and I think like there's no way you get something like Drakengard without this game coming oh, first. Sure. I agree. Um, and, and making, you know, people think and recontextualize like what is your relationship to a game mean and what does it you know mean when you spend all this time playing and like making people think about that and how you convey that in a game itself like it's just so um huge for for like game narrative to kind of ask those questions and and make people think and that's why there's so many games that would come after that that reference and and uh um you know take from moon take inspiration from it yeah i mean i don't mean to oversimplify but i complain a lot um, to my partner and anybody who will listen. The video games still don't seem to understand their video games. Um, like I, I, and this is a person who loved Final Fantasy 16 because it is the ultimate and cinematic RPG, right? But um, I am so frustrated by the fact that we want, like video games as a product, video games as a, as a consumer medium I, I, I occupy so much of the of the space and and i say that as a person who like talks to kids all the time and i actually have some hope because like so many of them are into like indie things or the things that are more meta-narrative undertale got memed so hard because kids liked it mm -hmm. um and so like it gives me some hope to, like that video games will eventually on in a triple a type of space start understanding that they need to engage with themselves as an art form that they are like when Roger Ebert said that video games aren't art, I understood what he was saying because like video games for the most part don't engage with themselves as they are. They want to be a movie. Um, whereas this game is the first one that I'm aware of that says like, this is a video game. Let's engage with this as a video game. And I think that's really special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. Uh, just And on that note, just like a real precursor to all the best indies you can get right now. Because, uh, I mean, the indie space is just the space that people are exploring those ideas a bit more. Like, yeah, Undertale, uh, Chicory was a game that I recently finished that I thought had uh, similar themes of, like, trying to get you think outside the box while that box being informed by everything you did in the game. I think that's just, uh, yeah, something that's finally just being explored by a bunch of creative people out there now. Yeah, I want to mention uh, 24 Killers again, or um, Hylix is another series that takes a lot from, from Moon and, um, you know, kind of explores like similar themes. 
yeah, I, I, I for all my frustrations, um, and you guys can give any final thoughts you have here. Uh, I, I, I really was interested in the way this game resolved itself and the way that it all sort of came together. And I thought that it was brave. And I just think about like how furious almost everyone who finished this game must have been in 1997 <laughs> because they didn't understand what this game was probably trying to do. And it it lands probably a lot better in 2023 or 20, you know, 2019 when I think this game game dropped in America uh, than it would have. And I, and I think that it's uh, there's, there's a level of bravery. Like you, you create a new studio and you make this game and you somehow manage to get it onto consoles and for people to play it. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, it's that it's, it's like, you know, Alex, I, I think you drawing that line between, um, you know, the experimental nature of like indie games today to this is really good. And, and Zach, you, you know, you bringing this up, it, it's because it was that PlayStation era where like, Sony was hungry, so they were allowing any developer, even these small no-name developers, to like get development kits and make games for the platform. And they, you know, so all of these small studios were able to like take these creative risks at a time that had you never really saw in the industry before, um, because of like cartridge costs and and all kinds of things, right? And so I, you know, I think Moon really embodies that era of like, we can have a, a handful of people make a game that's really weird and quirky and different. And because it's going to be stamped on a bunch of CDs that cost like cents to make, like, no, mm-hmm. you know, okay, fine, we'll publish it, we'll put it out, like whatever. And there's so much of the best things in the medium come from that, you know, era of like permissiveness. Yeah. And I think, you know, like modern indies really embody that spirit. And that's, I think, probably why they call back to a lot of games from this era mm-hmm. um, so much, because it was that time where you could really like experiment that way in that way. I mean, I even think of like, I don't know, Xenogears, which I think is a yeah a lot of problems as a video game. But like that game doesn't get made three years earlier. Absolutely. Get, even made two games or two years earlier. Definitely. Uh, that that level of of bravery that they had uh, in terms of what they were making. I think it's really important. Yeah. And another one, like kind of on the same note that uh, I recently played and reviewed for the site was Planet Laika, kind of like the last uh, real like quintet game before they started making um, just licensed games and then folding as a company. But that was just like, yeah, that this wouldn't have been made in, in any other era before or after. And the PS1 was just like a very, very special console in that regard yeah that's a really good mention planet like is like a very it's like it's like it's almost like it came out of the same idea <laughs> you know like the mm-hmm. same um brain space that that moon came out of it's it's so interesting yeah I, I i we could we could spend a lot of time uh talking about all the all the games that have inspired it and i i don't in any way want to sell short the importance of moon so yeah i I guess my my overall feeling is like I'm really glad I played it. I'm glad this uh, it it it's it's a special game for what it was. Um, even if I had my frustrations with it, and I had plenty, and we talked about them for most of the podcast, <laughs> um, I I still think that it's I, I I always hate to like hold something up because of historical importance when people hammered me for giving Lunar the Silver Star a 75 because I didn't acknowledge its historical importance, but like. I, 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 trying to compare the historical importance of those two games is absurd 
Lunar is not even close to as important in, in the large scheme of things. Um, and it's, you know, I, I was doing something very different. My point is, like, um, historical importance, like, in this case, I think really does matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the novelty, too, right? Like, so yeah. much of what Moon does is still so novel because, right. you know, even though a lot of games are inspired by it, not a lot has really done exactly what it's done. So it, it remains really important to this day just because um, not only what it established, but what it does that a lot of other games haven't tried to do or come close to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, that's ultimately how I convince myself to give Planet like a, such a, a high score, because it's like this is just like something that was made in its time, feels very of its time, of its console um, that just. Does, hasn't been replicated in any uh clear meaningful way otherwise so it still stands on its own yeah. as like this incredibly unique uh significant creative expression of a video game and i mean like other games like we can say have like aged poorly and then uh just point to all the games that have kind of done what they've done but better later on and i think in right. those contexts you can reduce historical importance a bit because it's been like surpassed in several ways, for example. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a fair way of putting it. Like the idea that like, it's so unique that it hasn't really been replicated. Um, I think it's a good way of putting it. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, it, moon is a special game, even if it's not always a fun game to play. <laughs> and I, I had a blast. Uh, what I think I could tell you for sure. I had fun doing was talking about it with you too. Cause it's always fun to chat about much anything with you too honestly so uh i i appreciate you guys coming on and chatting with us um so uh let's talk about what's coming up next so we've gone from what is maybe like the initial start of the indie rpg to the apotheosis of the jrpg uh which is what's coming up next month uh in february we're going to be playing dragon quest 11 uh the year of the dragon begins in uh, february uh, in the chinese calendar so uh Slosi is uh, uh, kind of obsessed with talking about dragon-related things. I'll just be honest. You might see another <laughs> dragon-related thing come up in March. Uh, I do know what game we're playing, but I don't know if he's ready to share that yet, so I will not. Um, but it's one that I'm excited to play. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that. Um, there also, next month, I believe, is going to be something like a dragon-related, as you know, uh, at, at the end of this month. Uh, like a dragon or yakuza is coming out and you might you might be aware of this but the host of the show mike solosi is obsessed uh with like a dragon or the yakuza series um and so i believe there's something coming up for that i know there's going to be a spoiler cast for like a dragon 8 at some point which i think i'll be a part of i'm very excited to play like a dragon 8 because i love uh, like a dragon 7 um and i also can say for sure uh that there will be uh i believe this actually be next week uh a categories draft uh i'm not going to get too far into what that means but it's going to be sort of a uh, an rpg's uh, award show but with a twist uh in a in a draft format it was actually alex's idea originally and i love our draft episodes and this might be the one that i'm most excited for ever because I know that Alex is going to screw me over like four <laughs> times. Uh, it's inevitable. So uh, look forward to that next week. I'm very excited. Uh, Celestia will be hosting. Um, and, the, and I think Jimmy will be along as well. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us retro at rpgfan.com. You can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, or X, I guess. Uh, Instagram, uh, we also have a Threads account. 
Uh, I think that we have a Mastodon account and a Blue Sky account, but we don't really use them yet. So we're kind of waiting to see how it's going to all roll out. Uh, we also have a Discord that you can check out. We also have a YouTube channel where all our podcasts are being posted. Now, actually, every podcast we've ever recorded or released is now on YouTube, which is a long requested thing. So if you guys are the sorts who want to listen to podcasts on YouTube, they're all there now. Um, we also have a Twitch stream almost every single day, but Scott can't stream every single day. Um, he's not that much of a machine, but it is a great work job. So go check it out. Uh, we also have a shop where you can go check out our merch. I think that uh, as of the time of this posting, at least, uh, our, the 25th anniversary merchandise is all gone, but you can still find uh, the RPG fan merchandise. You can find mugs, cups, T-shirts. I don't want to admit how many of those things I have. Um, and one thing that's not going to stop going on sale is our RPG fan review card book, uh, which is an amazing magazine-like experience of uh, 300 view cards if you follow us on instagram you've seen what our review cards look like they're all in book form you can see all of you know our, our favorite rpgs over the last you know number of years in review card form it's beautiful um and it's a really fun book to have uh, we also have two other podcasts random encounter about random stuff mostly games we're playing now occasionally things that we're running on the website uh, run by Jono, and then also uh, the other two weeks is uh, Rhythm Encounter, all about RPG music. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, as I mentioned earlier, Spotify. Basically, if you, there are podcasts there, you can find us. Give us feedback. Five stars is the best kind. And uh, before we sign off, uh, I already know the answer to these two questions. I'm usually like, what's your social media? I know that the two of you don't have any, but I still want listeners to know how to get in touch with you. Uh, so, Alex, what's the best way to reach you? You can just email me at alexfranacek at gmail.com. And Ben? You can find me at uh, benloganlove at gmail.com. And the best way to get in touch with me is also email, zachw at rpgfan.com. You can also find me on RPG Fans Discord at zachw. And yeah, that's it, y'all. Um, thanks so much for recording with me, both of you. Uh, I had a blast chatting about it. Maybe even more fun than I had playing the game. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure that's what Moon would uh, would appreciate you saying. That's actually true. Yeah, I think about that. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Uh, so thank both of you, and thank you, listeners. Good night, and good luck. Good luck.